So this morning what we're going to do, uh, we're, obviously you can tell we have our new stuff up. We're starting a new series this morning called Pillars. And really what we desire to do this month is to begin to help each and every one of you. There are some people here who I've known really my whole life, like Brad and Donna. I pretty much have known you my whole life. And there's others of you this morning who I've never met before. Uh, but I believe that God brings each and every person to a church for a very specific reason. That I think that historically we've lost the understanding of what a church is. And really when you break it down, a church is simply a community of people who together are going in a similar direction. And we thought for this month what we would do is, is that we would begin to set the trajectory of where we feel God is asking us as a community to go. I believe God sets churches in specific places to begin to use the message of the church to begin to infiltrate the society or the culture that it's in, to bring life, healing, prosperity to that local body. I think that like a military, the success of a military movement is that each and every person inside of that army understands the objective to which they have been set out. And so really, as we talk about pillars this morning, we have these cool pillars here. I'll show you how strong I am that I can move this giant <laughs> pillar. But the reason that we've brought these out is so that we can begin to, over the next four weeks, paint a clear and accurate picture of why we believe God has brought us and set us inside of this city. And the gifts, the transformation, the anointings, the presence of God that we believe we have to offer to the people that are around us. And this morning, what we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about is the purpose of God in our life. I believe that as a church, one of the main objectives that we would set out to accomplish is to help each and every person in this room answer these two very specific questions that I believe each and every human being asks. Those questions being, who am I and why am I here? I think that our soul longs to have a, a deep understanding of the reason why each of us were created. Let me tell you, no one of us was made unintentionally this morning. It doesn't matter if you were the child of promise or you're the result of a great Friday night. I was going to say Netflix and chill, but I, I didn't know if the older people would get that. They're like, Netflix and chill. But I believe that one of our pillars as a ministry is to set out and, and, and ensure that each and every person, as you sit in here, understands that God created you for a reason. And there's a specific purpose that you've been placed on the earth. You're not happenstance. You're not just a cosmic chance. You're not just a collection of cells and molecules and atoms. But you were created for a specific reason. And I believe that our heart cries out to accomplish that purpose and that objective. And we see that in scripture. I love scripture. I love church. I love God. I think one of the main reasons why I love the Bible is it's so practical. I think that it's a very old book. I believe that it's the best-selling book of all times. But it's just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago as it was being written. Now, culture and times may have changed, 
but the principles of the word of God remain just as true and just as relevant today as they ever have. And we see that in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, as he basically states to us this very fact, that we are not unintentional, we're not the result of chance or a good night, but Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Another portion, a portion of scripture says that he knew us even before we were, we were formed in our mother's womb. That it was him who knit us together, our personality traits, our attributes, our hair color, our skin color, our gender. That it was God who intentionally crafted each and every bit of us. The scripture goes on to say, for the plans, they're good plans, plans for good and not for disaster. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we dive into your word, our desire this morning, God, more than anything, is that we would grow closer to you. We understand that the objective of Christianity is to be in relationship with you. And that's what we desire this morning. We take off all the stuff that culture tries to put on us. The performance, the perspectives, the labels, the limits, the lies that life tries to limit us with. And we step into, Father, the fullness of who you've asked us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said this morning, that whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you deserve it or not, God has a specific plan for you to accomplish. Doesn't matter what you've done in your past, doesn't matter where you've gone, doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, how good or how bad you've been. This morning, each of us sits in a room today with the full capacity of heaven ready to help us in everything that we would desire to accomplish. And you know, as we dedicated the kids this morning, I thought it was very fitting in that you really see this concept of destiny inside of a child. Isn't this true? Because kids only see like the limitless realities of life. Okay, I'm really excited for my daughter to get to be the age where she can start to talk and communicate because one of the things that I've realized is that if you talk to any kid who's really between the ages of three and nine years old, they really know exactly what they want to be, right? And whenever you ask them, it's the most spectacular, probably the most impractical thing that you could ever want to be. I can remember talking to someone, a little kid who was a little boy, and I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he told me that he wants to be a firefighting lawyer, veterinarian, CEO, who's an astronaut on the weekend. Because yeah. you see, every single child knows that they were born to do something amazing, and they have absolutely no shame about it at all. In fact, when they tell you this absolutely ridiculous dream that they have in their heart, they say it as if everyone else also does these same amazing things. It's like purpose and destiny are hardwired into us. A knowing that we've been created for more than mediocre. But I've noticed something, something very unfortunate, is that as we start to get older, we start to get smarter. We start to lose touch with that purpose. That instead of this purpose growing clearer, it only seems to get more cloudy. 
I can't tell you how many people who I talked to, people I went to university with, people who just generally you encounter in life where the older they get, you ask them what they want to do and they could even be in the middle of getting a degree in something and still feel as though they probably will never use this degree because they really have no clue why they've been placed on this earth. That their mentality continues to become more and more limited and the possibilities of life continue to grow more and more impossible. And I've realized something is that what starts to happen is that our heart still longs to have these questions answered in our hearts, right? Our heart still wants to know, why am I here? Who am I? What's my purpose in life? And because life seems to only cloudy and muddy up the waters, what we start to do is we start to allow our identity to be defined by our experiences. We allow our life story to be written by limited ability. And it goes something like this. Can I get a marker? No, a pen will work. Pen. Because you see, everything goes good when we're young. You know, it's like the kids up here. They're just good. Feeling good, doing good, living good. Really just looking for the next snack that they can eat. But then something begins to happen. You know, we fail the math test and our friends laugh at us and they call us stupid. I'm stupid. And the pretty girl dumps me and she told me that's because I'm ugly. Ugly. I keep getting in trouble with my teachers, and then one day my history tells me that I'm just a bad kid. Now, on their own, like this paper, these thoughts, these realities, these labels, have very little power. You can't rest much on this. You can't really do much with it. That a single thought really has very little ability to change us whatsoever. But I've learned something about human beings, something that's so funny, is that we love to collect labels. We love to rehearse them. We love to remind ourselves about our failures, our shortcomings, about what this person said, about what that person said. And in our culture... It's such an easy thing to do. You know what I realize about human beings is we're the only species that God has created who will label you for a lifetime with something that you did in just a moment. And so because of this, we have these labels, we collect them, we see them, and we then allow these labels, things that someone says to us in a moment, an angry response from a parent, a foolish joke from a friend. And because we're searching to answer the question of who we are, we allow these labels to identify us. They become who we are. Not a word spoken, not an experience encountered, but the very core of our identity. 
Now, it's not long for the pages to become files. Files to become boxes. And the boxes to slowly start blocking our purpose. The job I got fired from, my parents' divorce that I think is my fault, didn't get into the university program that I wanted to get into, the girl who broke my heart, and on and on the stories go as slowly but surely, our stuff, our labels, our limits, our false identity blocks the very purpose of God that our heart is longing to understand. That the false identity that we create becomes the very thing that blocks the purpose we were created for. And so what happens is, is we grow older. We get into our late teens, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s. And we start searching for the purpose of God, the reason why we were created. And as we walk around and as we look to try to find it, it seems as though we're faced with all of our failures, all of our flaws. We're faced with all of our limits, all of our labels. And so often, we settle because we simply just feel lost. Now, the thing about this is that this reality, this is not a new thing. In fact, for as long as humans have existed, we face this very reality of struggling and trying to, in the midst of all the mess and the chaos, trying to identify why was I created? And really, the Apostle Paul, if you read through his letters in the New Testament, so frequently what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's writing to people, trying to help them to understand that they don't have to be defined by their dysfunction. But that in fact, in all the mess and the chaos, if we could simply just strip away all the stuff of life, the destiny and the plan of God is just as strong, just as stable in our life as it's ever been. And in fact, we read this in 2 Corinthians 10, because in Paul's day, you know, one of the beautiful things, and I'm so thankful for the Apostle Paul, is that up until this point in time, God, with the concept of God that we unite around, was really a Jewish concept. It was a Jewish God. And unless you were born Jewish, you really had no entrance or access to God. But how many of you say, thank you for Jesus? when he came and he died for us so that we could partake in the amazing blessings and promises in life that God promises to us. And so when Paul steps onto the scene, it really is just the first few years after Jesus has died and resurrected and given us, all of us, access to God, to the principles of God. And so really what Paul was doing is his mission to the Gentiles, I believe, was essentially to help them to break down the false identities where they felt as though they couldn't get access to God. Because you see, in his day, the Jewish people, they were supreme. Like I said, God was a Jewish God. 
And so because of that, Gentiles really lived under the lie that they were less than. And so, so much of Paul's ministry was helping people to understand how do you break out of these lies? How do I break down this false identity that I have slowly built in my life and find the very purpose that I was created for? So in 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says this, that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Now, I think this is a very valuable uh, word that Paul chose to use. Joyce Meyer, if you're familiar with her, she's a wonderful speaker, and she wrote a book, and the book is called The Battlefield of the Mind. And Paul uses this word war. And at first when you read it, you feel like, Come on, Paul, that's a little bit of an extreme word, right? But if any of you have ever embarked to try to begin to take down these pillars that we create in our life, you understand that it's a 24-7 everyday battle that we face because I have so much evidence that this is who I am. Verse 4 says this, We use God's mighty weapons, not the weapons of the world, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Verse 5 says this, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps us from knowing God and we capture these rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now that sounds so good, but what does it mean? Right? I don't know if you ever asked those questions, you ever read in your Bible, and it sounds so good, but you're like, Paul, please break it down for me, man. Like, I don't know what it means to make a thought obedient to Christ. But I believe that in this passage of Scripture, what Paul is letting us know is that God has given us tools. That yes, you may have a history full of failure, but you don't have to live the rest of your life under the umbrella of what your past has made it look like. That we can actually be free not coping, but I could be free from all the shackles that try to make me feel as though I have to settle for less than everything God has promised to be. So he really breaks it down for us, and I'm going to coin them as three things. You could write these down. I believe this is what this passage of Scripture is telling us. We got to catch it, we got to compare it, and we got to cast it. Turn to your neighbor and say, catch it, compare it, cast it. I think this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. What does it look like to bring these rebellious thoughts, these rebellious realities, how do I bring them into obedience of Christ? And the first thing we have to do is we have to catch it. We have to be aware of what's happening inside of our brains, right? Who in here has ever thought about something, I mean, this is everybody, so I really don't even need to ask. I'd be like, put your hands up, but it would just be a waste of time, okay? <laughs> Who in here has ever had a thought about something, and that thought makes you feel sad, makes you feel anxious, makes you feel worried, makes you feel fearful, right? I'd be like, I've got enough hands to be able to put up to be able to answer all these questions, but I've realized something. What the Apostle Paul is telling us is that we have to be aware of the thoughts that we're thinking 
that are creating this negative emotion. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, it tells me that the fruit of the Spirit, I may not know them all, but I know they're not worrying and doubting and afraid. When I read them, they're love and joy and peace. The Apostle Paul tells me, think on things that are good and lovely and pure. So I realized something, that when I start thinking a thought or I start feeling an emotion that's making me feel nervous, afraid, fearful, the very first thing the Apostle Paul is telling me is that i got to catch. i got to catch this thought. i got to grab hold of what it's trying to do inside of my heart. Because too often, these thoughts, these realities, grow in strength in our life. I mean, this is a flimsy little piece of paper thought that blows away with the wind, or it should. But so often, why they become such permanent structures in our life is because when we have the thought, we feel the emotion, we sit in it. Don't we? We wallow in it. We have those absolutely most not fun party that you've ever been a party to. You know, the pity parties. I've realized something. I've learned through the years that the, qu- the, the quicker that I catch a thought, the less power that thought has over, me, over my life. And why Paul says it's a war is that it's a proactive activity that I do where I'm intentionally catching the thoughts that I think. Science tells us that we think between 20 and 45,000 individual thoughts. Not a year, not a week, every single day. And all those thoughts we think are filtering through all of our past experiences. So when I realize it's a proactive activity, I, at first, you are right. It's going to be a lot of work. But the freedom that comes as I begin to tear these structures down, oh, you can't, you can't trade that for any amount of work. Knowing why I was created, feeling like I have a reason for being, feeling like I wake up every single day and I love my life, Feeling like my family and my stuff and my things and my house and everything is good? I tell you, there's very little that I wouldn't do in order to experience that reality every day of my life. Number two, we have to compare it. Like I said, when I catch this thought, I cannot sit in it. I cannot validate it. I can't use my past experiences to remind me about why that thought is the truth. Because absolutely... You will have thoughts that validate. You will have history, experiences that validate every single thought that you think. And at first, when you embark to tear down these walls, there's going to be so much more evidence that this is true compared to when you pick up the Bible. So as I'm beginning to walk down this road, I'm not sitting in it, I'm not validating it. What I'm doing is I'm comparing every thought to the Word of God. I think a thought, I grab a hold of the thought, I grab my Bible, 
and I compare them. I say, this thought is telling me that I'm not going to have enough to get through the day. It's going to tell me that my relationship is going to end in a divorce. It's going to tell me that my kid is never going to come back home. And then I pick up the Bible. And I realize Jesus tells me, consider the lilies. Tells me that in all of the glory of Solomon's empire and his kingdom, that all the money in the world couldn't be more beautiful than something that's here today and gone tomorrow. That if God cares about the lilies, if he cares about the sparrows, if he cares about the things that are absolutely insignificant, how much more does he care about me, his child? And what happens is, as I grab a hold of it, it gives me this amazing ability to just be able to walk away from what that thought was thinking. Now, here's the deal, is that doesn't mean the thought's going to go away. Because chances are, three seconds later, it's like magic. I wish I could do magic, that I could make this come back together. But it's like magic. And then you got to be like, oh, Jesus, consider the lilies. And then you're going to be like, who cares about the lilies, man? I'm going to go broke. And you're going to be like, no, no, no. Consider the lilies. And, right? It's, a, it's work. But I tell you, when I compare it, when I compare this reality, I realize that I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be nervous. I don't have to be fearful. That just because I feel it, just because I think it, doesn't make that thing real. And number three, I got to cast it. So once I've caught and I've compared the thought, I have to do something with it. The Bible tells it to me like this. That when the thought or the emotion doesn't line up with the word, I know one thing, I know that this is temporary, it's not the truth. Yes, you may be going through some difficulties today. Yes, there may be some stuff that's happening in your life. But I got good news for you. If that situation does not line up with the truth of the word of God, that problem is temporary, but the truth of God is eternal. And when we stand on the truth of God, it doesn't matter what comes our way. I know that I'm going to make it because God promised me that he'll never let anything come on me. That he's not already made a way of escape for me to get out it, through it, and better because of it. Paul tells it to me like this. I got to cast the thought down. Now, what does it look like to cast the thought down? Because it's not something that I can hold in my hand. It's not a tangible thing like this piece of paper that I can rip the thought up and watch it throw it in the ground. It it's not like that. And Paul tells us in Philippians that instead of being focused on what's wrong, my job is this. He tells me that to focus on specific things. This is the list of what Paul says. Because I tell you, it's easy to focus on in life what's not right. But Paul says that in the moments where you feel weak, you feel vulnerable, you feel afraid, you feel alone, Paul says this, grab those thoughts and force yourself to think about what's true, what's noble, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's of a good report, what's virtuous, and praiseworthy. So what Paul is telling me is the way that I cast down a thought is I simply grab a hold of another thought and give the other thought my attention. 
I feel afraid. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go pick up my daughter and I'm going to hold her and I'm going to be so happy because she's so good. Why? Because I only have to hold her and dance with her for a little bit for that fear to go away. And then I put her down and I get back up and the fear pops back up. And then I go and grab my wife and I hug her and I spin her around and we start smooching a bit and I feel so good. And then I let her go. Why? Because what I'm doing is I'm trying to divert my attention towards the truth of what God has. Let me tell you, God has done so many miracles in our life. The very fact that we wake up, that we have air to breathe, that we had gas in our tanks this morning is only because of the grace of God. And so all God is asking us to do is simply, rather than being afraid, focus on the good of what God has already done. Why? Because your issue does not have to become your identity. That you don't have to be limited by your labels, fearful of your future. You don't have to allow the words of the world to dictate to you your future. And I've realized something, this is from my own life, I'm closing with this. That when we do this, we start to break down the false identity. It's about to get messy, folks. I start to see those papers that tell me that I'm bad. Papers that tell me that I'm ugly. Papers that tell me that I'm not enough. And I start to break them down because if I was enough for Jesus to die for, I start to take a look at the file that's full of my weaknesses and my shames. But the Bible tells me that I'm an overcomer, that I'm more than a conqueror. And so when I look at these things, they don't line up with the word of God. And so I guess it's got to go. And then I look at the box that's full of garbage and junk and papers, reminding me of my failures and my flaws, my issues. I realize I don't have to care about any of this garbage anymore. Why? Because it doesn't line up with the word. I realized very quickly that I'm not going to let my experiences tell me who I have to be that I'm sanctified, I'm set apart, I'm called, I was chosen. I'm not an orphan, but I'm a son. And it's not long before all of our problems disappear and our purpose yet again emerges. And it's clear for us to understand why we've been created. That our purpose that was once cloudy, that was once muddy, becomes clear. And what was impossible, once again, becomes possible. Heavenly Father, this morning, this is our desire. Paul's hard cry was to know you. Because when we know you, when we see you, your word tells us that we'll be like you. We choose this morning, Father, to walk away from the lies, the limits, the labels that try to limit the reality of how big and good and perfect you are in our life. And Father, this morning we embrace the truth of who you said. You said we've been redeemed, forgiven, sanctified, chosen, called, set apart. Not because of anything we've done, 
but because John tells us, because you loved us first. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Say amen if you believe it. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.